All right, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. One author said that throughout the entire Bible, there is one passage of Scripture that would give us basically a blueprint of what it means to raise our children in a godly home. Now, I want to preface this message by saying that this is a message for every individual in this room. This message is not just for parents because what you're going to see is, is yes, parents are the spiritual providers for the home. But we're all, what, what we're also going to notice is that the church is going to partner with the parents in this process. This is why we have a youth ministry here. Now, there was once a newspaper article. Um, y'all remember the classified section, right? Do we still have that? We do. But a lot of times we just look online now. But used to, there was a classified section in the newspaper. And one time there was a classified that said, we'll train your children to ride a bicycle. There was this person, and this isn't uncommon, but there's this person who put up an amount of money for parents to hire them to come to their house and train their children how to ride a bicycle. Now, parents, let me ask this question. Who should be training their children to ride a bicycle? You. (laughs) You should be. It is the parents' responsibility to train their... It's just just tradition, right? We, We are the ones who should be showing our children these things, but yet... You see in this newspaper, ad, this newspaper ad that even parents are willing to hire somebody out to do that. Churches will do that. Church parents will tend to look for the church that has the greatest children's ministry program, the greatest youth ministry program, because they want the best for their children to to grow up and know and learn who Jesus is. But yet the thing is, church, is it's not on us. It's on the parents. It is on us to equip parents, to partner with parents, and to see them be raised in the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. The main idea that I've got for you this morning is this. Parents are commissioned to raise their children to hope in Christ. Parents are commissioned to raise their children to hope in Christ. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. If you're there, say a word. Stand with me in the, in the honor of the reading of God's Word. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. We're going to read through to verse 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Let's pray. Father God, 
Pray that you would add a blessing upon your word and upon this message. Use me as you see fit. Pray, God, that you would help us to see the promises and the encouragement and the commands that you have in your word today. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I was blessed and fortunate to be raised in a godly home. I've got, a, I've got two wonderful grandmothers who have both made an impact on my life. I've got my dad's mother who, if you were to walk into her, her kitchen, any day of the week, any time of the day, there is a Bible opened on her bar that she reads daily. And what she does through her Bible reading and prayer time is she prays for her children, her husband, and her grandchildren, and her great-grandchildren every single day. I've got my mom's mom, my other grandmother, who when I would go and spend the night with them, would make sure, make it a priority to take me to church every Sunday. Now, sometimes they took me to some crazy churches, okay? Not Baptist. But I was raised in seeing a priority in, in, in church. And, and this grandmother and the other grandmother both made impacts in my life by giving me Bibles, giving me books, telling me throughout my life, encouraging me, showing me the truths of God and His Word and the Gospel. I feel like, I feel like Timothy with the impact that his mom and his grandmother had on him in him becoming a Christian. I believe that through my parents and my grandparents. And so we see that there is an importance, parents, even you grandparents and even you great-grandparents, there's an importance of showing our children the truths of God's Word. Now, within this world we live, we live in a hustle and bustle world. Time is speeding up. And really, it's because we are all in such a rush. I looked at my six-year-old the other day, and it's like I blinked. And he is now going into the first grade in just a few months. I, and, 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 and I really started getting a little emotional, like I am right now, wondering where has the time gone and have I missed it? Parents, this morning, you can look at your kids and even think the same thing. Where has the time gone and have I missed it? Time is valuable. We have such a limited amount of time with these children. And we live in a world today where there are other things fighting for their attention, other things outside of church, outside of the Bible, outside of our family that are discipling them. And if we're not careful, we will miss it. So the main idea I've got for you is parents, we are commissioned to raise our children to hope in Christ. And I believe Moses gives us a layout here of how to do it. This is the Shema. All right. I just wanted to sound smart. This is the Shema. It's from the Hebrew of the first word of verse four, meaning to hear. And this was important for Jewish people that they would, they would memorize the, the law, the commandments, 
They would memorize verse 5. They would would put it into their hearts, into their lives. And and what we're going to see here is is they made it so much a part of their lives that Moses is telling them, you need to teach this to your children and to your grandchildren so that as, as the generations go, we do not forget. We look at Psalm 78, and Psalm 78 shows us that we are to teach the, 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 the next generation, the truths of God, so that people do not forget. And I'm concerned. I, 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 am, I, I am concerned that we're living in, in a nation that is forgetting the truths of God's Word. And parents, that falls on us, not the church. It, it could fall on the church. I do think that there is some blame on the church. For I think part of the blame on the church is that we have taken it upon ourselves to disciple the children and trying to take the place of the parents. So parents, I'm here to encourage you this morning that we are the ones commissioned to raise our children in the, in the hope of Jesus Christ. So let's, let's break it down. Look at verse 4. Moses begins this with saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. One, we see the first commandment within the Ten Commandments is to worship the Lord your God only, that that He is the only God. So number one, as we raise our children in a godly home, in a godly life, we worship God only. One author put it, put it this way. He, he, he shows us that, that there are so many things within our own lives, parents, within our own lives, that are fighting for our attention and our worship. And those same things that are fighting for our attention and our worship are fighting for our children's attention and their worship. A great example. My wife and I went on a pastor's retreat this this past week, it, it, it was on rest, and it was the first time in a long time that my wife and I were actually able to sit down and have a one-on-one serious conversation. And one of the things that I've had to come to grips with, that I've had to repent of, is I am on this little thing far too much. On my days off, on evenings with my family, time on date nights with my wife, times when I'm watching my kids, I'm constantly on this thing. I am I am constantly working, constantly trying to get things in order, talking to church members. I'm constantly trying to, and then not even that. Forget the excuse of work. Social media. Somebody in our small group a couple years ago challenged us to. Look at the time we spend on our social media. Your phone monitors that. And just after one week, huh, I was devastated. There are so many things in our lives that are fighting for our attention and our worship. Parents, church members, we need to worship God and God only. There's nothing wrong with social media if we use it rightly. There's nothing wrong with having a cell phone if we use it rightly. There's nothing wrong with, with, with having entertainment if it's used rightly. There's nothing wrong with these other things. 
There's nothing wrong with sports. There's nothing wrong with all these other things except when it takes the place of God. But I'm not bowing down to it. How much time are you spending with it? How much money are you spending on it? Parents, your children are watching you. And let me say from a parent of one that is six years old and other parents in the room that have older kids can attest to this. They will mimic you. If they see that time on a cell phone or time behind a screen or time behind the TV is important to you, they will see that it is important to them too. Or whatever things we make as idols in our lives. Moses is is encouraging the people to worship God and God only because this is a paganistic culture they're living in. They are actually worshiping other gods. They're actually bowing down to other gods. But yet we are too. We We just don't realize it. Parents, worship God and God only. Let your, let your children see that. Number two, not only are we called to worship God only, we are to love God faithfully. We are to love God faithfully. Look at verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now let me, let me say this. You cannot love God Unless God has first done a work within your life, a transforming work. The Bible tells us that we love because God first loved us. So you, this, this is easy. This is easy to become legalism. This is easy to become even moralism. To say that you're to love God faithfully. Because we have this idea, church, that we love we throw that word around so easy. We we love. I, I love food. I mean, it's, it's apparent. I love pizza. I do not love working out. The things we love are expressed within our lives, are they not? If we truly love God, it will be expressed in our obedience to God. And we can only obey God if God has done a work within our lives through the blood-bought sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So parents, first, before we can love God faithfully, we need to turn to Christ wholly. We need to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We can, we can make it a habit of going to church. We can make it a habit of, 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 of doing these things that, that are seemingly godly, but yet not have a heart for God. When Moses tells us in verse 5 that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might, he's talking about with your entire being. The way you think, the way you act, the way you do things, the the person you are, every fiber within your being should be one that loves God faithfully. And parents, let me tell you, children and especially teenagers can spot a poser real quick. 
I did youth ministry for 10 years and I had to learn real quick that I could not fake my love for God. Children are watching you, parents. Do they see that you love God faithfully? There are many ways that, 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 we, that, that we can express our love for God faithfully. Our love for God is expressed in our obedience to God, right? We are faithful to God. Like, parents, are you faithful to your spouse? If you truly love your spouse, you're not going to badmouth them. You're not going to cheat on them. You're not going to hit them. You're not going to curse them. If you, if you, if you love your spouse, you're going to be faithful to your spouse. If you love God, you're going to be faithful to God. Now, I'm not saying perfect. Ask my wife, am I a perfect husband? My sister's saying no. <laughs> but we are called to live repentantly. Waking up every morning, thanking God for a new day that He's blessed us with and going to bed every night and repenting of the sin that we've committed. Martin Luther tells us that a Christian's life is to be one of daily repentance. Parents, your children can see how much you love Jesus by how you love your spouse. In fact, one person put it, put it rightly, the best thing, parents, the best thing you can do for your kids besides show the, share the gospel with them, the best thing you can do for them is to love your spouse faithfully. I can tell how much you love Jesus by how you love your wife, man. I can. Because the Bible tells us that since you've been forgiven, you must forgive others. The Bible tells us that you are to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, you don't know my wife. I do know she's your closest neighbor. We are to love God faithfully. Every fiber within our being. Parents, do your children see you in God's Word? Do your, do your children see you in prayer? And again, like I said earlier, this can, this can easily go with legalism. Don't, don't just put up a front. This is part of our life. If we are loving God faithfully, we want to spend time with Him. We want to know Him more. We want, to, we want to be at His feet. We want to be in prayer and in His Word. Parents, do your children see that about you? One of the, one of the, one, one of the things that I remember growing up in my parents' house is on Sunday mornings getting ready for church, my dad at his desk with his Bible open preparing Sunday school lessons. I remember that. I remember the, the times that my dad had us do devotions. I remember the times that, 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 that our parents would, would, would use disciplinary hurtful times as a means of showing us the truth of the gospel. Parents, let me, let me tell you this. This message is as just as much for me as it is for you. I am not perfect at discipling my kids. 
I sin daily. And in fact, I'm possibly the greatest sinner in my household. And I live with two children who don't know Jesus. (laughs) And I'm the greatest sinner in my house. And my fear... My fear is the day that they graduate high school and hopefully move out and go to college or just move out. My fear, my fear is that I wasted it. My fear is that as my boys grow up to be men and leave the house to be men, to find a a beautiful woman inside that loves Jesus as he marries her and as he raises his own kids I want to know that I spent my time training them up to know what a godly man is to know how to treat their wife I'm thankful for a father that loves his wife the amount of times that I saw how much he loves my mom that helps me That trained me up to love my wife. And I'm a failure at it. (laughs) I am horrible at it. I I fail daily. I'm selfish. I want my time. But church, if we love God faithfully, this is why Jesus, when he is asked, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says in, in Matthew, he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. Church, if you love God faithfully, you will love others faithfully. The closest people, the closest neighbors you have are the ones living in your homes. I got to get going. I got four more points. Number three, not only are we to love God faithfully, number three, we are to dwell on God continually. Look at verse 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Shall be on your heart. David tells us that I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We are called parents, church members, believers. We are called to dwell on God continually. We are called to dwell on God as we read His Word and spend time in there, as we mine the treasures within this. We are called to dwell on God as we go about our day. This is why I love having my time with God in the morning. Because it gives me something to think about throughout the day. Maybe the passage that I was stuck on, maybe the, maybe even the passage I'm preaching on. I, I try to do my sermon prep in the early morning time so that it's fresh on me throughout the day. Cause I want it to impact me. I want to dwell on God continually. But I know, I know how hard it can be. The distractions we have. The other night, uh, my wife and I were sitting in our living room. We had, We had the kids running around playing. There was so much noise. I'm trying to read a book for school. It's so loud in our house. And I look over to my wife and I said, I just want 30 minutes of silence. It was selfish. It was selfish. She's like, well, wake up earlier. (laughs) 
she's right. <laughs> we have so many things that are flooding into our ears. Radio, people, TV, work, everything. To where if we can just get into a time where it can be quiet so we can listen to God through His Word. Silence and solitude is so important, church, for parents, for spouses, for members and believers. We are to dwell on God continually. And that's what Moses is getting at. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. That's, that's important, the word that he uses there for heart. Because it's whatever is on our heart, it affects everything else. It affects our thoughts. It affects our words. It affects how we treat others, how we talk to our spouse, how we serve and love our spouse. Church, we are to dwell on God and His Word continually. And if you think it's boring, man, you probably, you probably need to be refreshed and reminded of the glories and the truths of God's Word. Dwell on Him continually. All right, here we go. Number four. We are to teach our children diligently. Diligently. Look at verse seven. You shall teach them diligently to your children the commandments that, that, that he's given. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Teach your children diligently. Here... We were, we were having a conversation recently because, you know, with dealing with this pandemic, you know, we've been having to make some, you know, some decisions about school. This is Jaden's first year and it was, it was depressing. Kindergarten was so difficult for my son because of the, uh, of the, of the regulations. I'm not, I'm not bashing, you know, I'm not trying to make a stance here, but it was just difficult for him. Okay. But one thing my wife and I had a conversation about was, the education. And somebody made mention to me one time. They said, I don't want to be in charge of my child's education. I do. I want to know what they're being taught. And I want to know what they're not going to be taught. Why? Because parents, it is what... Our children are in the school system six to eight hours a day. You get them just a couple hours in the evening. What you teach them during that time, what you spend time on during that time, what you show them through your actions and your words during that time is so vitally important. I think it was, well, we are to teach them diligently. If you're like me, and I say this often, if you like marking in your Bibles, I, I circled the word diligently. It's important. Diligently means persistently and consistently. Do it all the time and be faithful to it. He even tells us, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. There is not another time <laughs> that he's talking about. He mentioned every aspect of our life. We don't just teach our children about Christ 
When we have 10 minutes at the dinner table, we seek to do it in all aspects. We seek to do it when we do discipline. We have a we have one guy in here. I'm not going to mention his name, but Leto was disciplining his child one day. And uh, and I remember one time, you remember this too, man. Um, you said you spanked yourself uh, as you were disciplining your child because you wanted to show them that you took the punishment instead so that you can teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this isn't a criticism on your discipline. I thought it was a great little gospel nugget. I'm not going to spank myself. <laughs> but you took the time. I didn't mean to put you on, on the spot, but you're on staff. I'm allowed to. But we are to teach our children diligently, even when we're disciplining them. We are to teach our children the gospel truths. We are to teach our children who God is. We're to teach our children how to love our spouse. The importance of, of, of being faithful. The important, uh, we're to teach our children a biblical worldview because they're being taught something else within this world through media, through state education, even sometimes. I'm not criticizing state education, but there are some things now that are getting questionable. We have to guard what they're being taught. We need to make sure that the Word of God is priority. How do we do this? Donald, Donald Whitney, he's a professor at Southern Seminary. Go Southern Seminary. And he, he has a little book out called Family Worship. So it's a little book. I read it within two hours. It's really good. He gives us three aspects. When we talk about teaching our children diligently, I'm talking about family worship. I'm talking about actually having a time where you and your family are sitting down no other distraction, and you're focused on worshiping God in your home. This is what Donald Whitney says do. He says, read, pray, and sing. That's it. Depending on the age of your children depends on the length of time you, you, you do it. With our three and six-year-old, we can really only last ten minutes because then they go crazy. What we will do in our home, and listen, I'm not faithful at it. I'm learning and growing. But what we will do is, is we will take the new, new city catechism that we do during the church service. We'll take my Bible. We'll open it up to the scripture reading for that, for that week's question. We'll read the scripture reading. We've got them eating ice cream because it makes them sit still. And then we're talking about the scripture. And then we do the scripture reading that Leto does every week through New City Catechism. We do the question and the answer. I'll ask the question. We'll do the answer. And the goal is for our kids to memorize it. So the first question, question one, what is our only hope in life and death? And Jaden says that we are not our own, but we belong to Jesus. Now, it, it, it hasn't grabbed his heart yet. He's not a saved believer yet, but he's learning. He was staying over at my in-laws' house the, the other day, and they were praying. My wife told me about this. They were, they were praying, and <laughs> this may seem a little po- political, but it's funny. They asked Jaden to pray, and Jaden, one, one of the New City Catechism, catechism questions is, um, how, how, how does God create us? And the answer is God creates us boys and girls that we may glorify Him. 
And so Jaden prays and Jaden goes, thank you, God, for making us boys and girls. And my father-in-law goes crazy. Yes. Amen. Boys and girls. That's right, Jaden. I mean, it's just it was great. These little nuggets that they're being taught, the scriptural truths that they're being taught, they grab onto it. But we have to be diligent about it. We kind of we kind of lost the habit of doing um, family worship for a season because we just got busy and it was it, we had to repent of it and we went back to question one. Jaden, what is our only hope in life and death? And he forgot it. We have to be diligent. We have to keep showing them what the truth is. Teach your children diligently, parents. It's on you. It's on you. This is what this is talking about. Moses is talking to the people of Israel, but this is for the family structure. Parents, teach your children diligently the truths of Scripture. We even provide a way for you to do it, the New City Catechism. We do it every week. A new question and answer every week. We do that so that we may grow, so that our children may grow, and to give you a resource for you to take home and do it with them. I challenge you. Teach your children diligently. All right, got to move on. Number five, live Christ-centeredly. Look at verse eight. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. Live Christ-centeredly. Now, this is this is where they would they would take these 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 scriptures, these commandments. They would actually, literally, take boxes and wrap it around their wrists and around their their their. their, their their, their, their eyes, I believe it, to where they can see it and read it because they, they didn't have this. But what they were doing was is they were identifying themselves as believers. Back in the early 2000s, we would do that. We'd wear the Christian t-shirts. I had one that was three frogs. It said, God's wise er. Now, that was not a good shirt for me to wear. But I tried to identify myself as a believer. But understand that through the, our apparel, through our clothes, through our bracelets, through our tattoos, whatever you want to put, that is not what identifies us as believers. What identifies us as believers? The way we love God, the way God has loved us, and the way that we are faithful to Him through obedience to His Word. That identifies us as believers. Parents, we are called to live Christ-centeredly. Believers, we are called to live Christ-centeredly. Christ is the center of our lives. Our children need to see that. They need to see that. And for the sake of time, let's go to the last point. Not only should we live Christ-centeredly, number six, we should have a home that honors God devotedly. I can spend a whole message on each one of these points. Parents, are you guarding what comes into your home? I'm not talking about the, uh, the uh, children or your wife. There was a quarantine joke about a guy who he did a 911 call and said, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm having a problem with, with, with my spouse. You know, she's been quarantined for so much time. Should I go ahead and let her in the house now? We locked her out about two weeks ago and she keeps banging on the door. Now she's threatening my life. Parents, are you guarding what comes into your home? Are you guarding what comes in through the media? 
what they're watching, what they're listening to? Are you guarding what they're doing with their lives? Are they being faithful? Are you guarding the things that come into your home? And not only that, do you have a home that honors God devotedly? One where your family is going to have a time of worship. One where God is honored. One in which you're not going to have this type of sinful behavior. You will have sinful behavior, but you won't stand for it. We are to seek to have a home that honors God devotedly. Verse 9, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Why? So that people may identify that that is a godly home. That in this house we pray. In this house we stand on the truth of God's word. In this house we will not put up with sin. In this house we will have a time of worship. In this house we are going to love God, love our spouse, and love our children like Christ loves the church. Do you have a home that honors God? Devotedly. How are we able to do all these things? If we, if we were to look at it, it's kind of difficult. You can't do it alone. You can't do it apart from the grace that God gives you through the blood-bought sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You can't do it without a church family partnering on alongside of you to equip you. This is why church is a priority. I pray, parents, church, I pray that we can be a church that seeks to see the importance of raising our children to honor Christ. The importance of raising our children to know the truth of God's Word. Parents, it's never, it's never too late but my children have already moved out. They can still see the way you live your life by how you love your spouse and how you love them. You can still have an impact no matter how old or how young they are. It's never too late. But it gets harder as the children get older. Don't wait. Don't waste it. Look to Christ. Thankfully, when it comes to salvation, Scripture says that with God all things are possible. That includes the way that we can make an impact on our families. We're going to pray. We're going to have a time of invitation, and then after our invitation, we're going to do our parent commissioning. So if you will stand with us, I'll go ahead and pray. Let me challenge you to take this time to pray for our families, pray for the parents, pray for the children. We want them to be raised in godly homes under godly teaching so that they may not forget the truths of God's Word and the promises of the Gospel, so that they may know and may come to glorify God through their lives by following Christ and giving their lives to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful for Your Word. We're thankful for this time. God, I pray that You help us 
Help us to worship you only, to love you faithfully. Help us to dwell on your word continually. Help us to teach our children diligently. Help us to live Christ-centeredly and help us to have a home that honors you devotedly. God, we need your help. We cannot look to our own strength, to our own wisdom, to our own knowledge in order to do this. We can only look to you for this. It is only because of what you accomplished on the cross that this is even possible. We're not going to be able to obey the law faithfully. But thankfully you did. Your son lived a perfect life and died the death that we deserved. Obeying the law, fulfilling it to the T. God, I pray that you would help us rest in that. And help us to rest in the strength and the wisdom that you give us through your word and through your spirit. Help us, God, as we seek to diligently teach our children the truth of who you are. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.